Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Connecticut can't seem to catch a break on the national stage, but there are plenty of reasons residents choose to stay here. Later, the women behind CT Ain't So Bad will join us with a few reminders about why our state has a lot to offer. But back to the state's image problem. Coming up, officials from regional economic development organizations both in and outside Connecticut will join us to talk about how state and local officials can combat the negative perceptions of our beloved state. We also asked the commissioner of the State Department of Economic and Community Development to join us. We were told Catherine Smith was not available and no one else from DECD was able to join this hour either. But first, we can't talk about Connecticut's image problem without having a little fun with it. Tell us why you're hanging with the state or itching to leave by joining the conversation. 860-275-7266. You can email where we live at WMPR.org. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Now, joining us now is a Connecticut native who doesn't live here anymore. Paul Millard is a freelance strategy consultant focused on the future of work, organizational change, people, talent, and culture. But he recently wrote a piece called 20 Better Slogans for Connecticut Than Still Revolutionary. Paul, welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you, Lucy. So first off, what's wrong with Still Revolutionary, Paul? (laughs) (laughs) So... uh, his background, I'm, I grew up born and raised in Connecticut, went to the University of Connecticut, so proud, uh, definitely proud of the state and uh, want to see it be successful. Uh, I was sitting at a rest stop a few weeks ago with some of my cousins and just saw the still revolutionary slogan, and thinking about it, um, I think the problems we came up with it were it seems to look backwards, and it's not really anything you can cling on to that looks forward-looking. Um, so I don't, I tried to come up with better slogans. Most of them are a little bit cynical, but, uh, mostly just want something I can, uh, be more excited about and, uh, maybe eventually bring me back to Connecticut. So you said that you grew up in Connecticut, went to UConn. Uh, tell us why you left. Uh, it wasn't an active, I'm leaving Connecticut stance. I ended up actually working for GE, which was uh, headquartered in Connecticut, um, but ended up working for um, their sites in different states. Um, I think just looking at the job market, the types of companies that recruited at UConn, a lot of the opportunities were in places like Boston, New York, uh, and different places where just a lot of job growth. Uh, so give us an idea of some of these better slogans for Connecticut that you came up with, Paul. I think one of them has a bad word in it, so we won't say that one on the air, but go ahead with some <laughs> of the others. <laughs> uh, I think I think one of my, uh, I, I guess on the funnier side, uh, Connecticut's still solvent. It's uh, We talk about our financial crisis, but we're not there yet. Things are still pretty good. Um, <laughs> another one I looked into, population is still growing. So slowing but still growing uh, was one I liked. Um, what was uh, oh? I think another relevant one was uh, the least natural disasters. So it's actually a really safe place to live, and uh, with a lot of the stuff happening in the world now, I think we should uh, start touting some of that. 
You also had Connecticut, the best women's basketball. And since you're a UConn grad, we should probably bring that one up too, Paul. <laughs> you can't beat the uh, Gino and the team. So we, we often hear that, you know, Connecticut is aging, that uh, especially retirees want to leave, move to uh, warmer climates. But uh, what do you think Connecticut could do to do a better job of attracting younger people who want to stay? What are some of the, the key attributes you'd be looking for? I think it, when I'm making decisions about where to live, it doesn't really have much to do with taxes. I hear a lot of people from Connecticut talking about, oh, our taxes are so bad, our financial situation is so bad. As somebody that um, is still mobile in my career, has flexibility, it's more around who are the other people I'm going to be surrounded by. Um, so I'm looking at urban centers, right? The competition is New York City and Boston, which are just much more expensive places to live than Connecticut. But the, the upside around being around universities, different people you can collaborate with, network with, um, work together with, I think those are uh, kind of intangible and just really hard to compete with. This is where we live. On the phone with me, Paul Millard, uh, a former uh, Connecticut resident uh, who came up with 20 better slogans for Connecticut than still revolutionary. Uh, that's the uh, official tourism slogan that was unveiled uh, several years ago. But the reason we're talking about this today is we know there are negative perceptions of the state. And uh, if you want to join the conversation, if you have ideas of how the state should be marketing itself, uh, ways to change that perception both in and out of the state, you can join the conversation, 860 uh, joining us now is Brian Boyer, Vice President of Marketing and Communications at Metro Hartford Alliance. Brian, welcome to the show. I'm glad to be here, Lucy. Thanks for the opportunity. So some of the points that Paul uh, raises, I'm sure through Metro Hartford Alliance, you do have a, uh, a network of young professionals. You probably hear some of that. And so how should Connecticut be working to maybe change some of those perceptions? Well, as you know, we have an extremely active young professional group called Hype uh, Hartford um, you know, uh, entrepreneurs and and uh, young professionals that are that are very very active and very very energetic here um, in the in the city and the region. And I think one of the things that we really need to do a better job of is to celebrate the successes that we have. Um, you know, we always hear about, as you mentioned, there's, there are negative perceptions, and unfortunately, perception can can often be uh, reality um, in some people's minds. But we need to, you know, we really need to look at. Uh, what we're doing here and, and tell that story and, and, and be excited about the successes that we do have rather than looking at the things we don't have. I mean, we're, we're expanding our transit system. You know, young professionals like to be able to get to and from work very easily. Um, affordable housing. Uh, we have extremely strong academic, uh, you know, opportunities here. You know, Paul went to UConn and, and, and Trinity and, and Yale down further and, and UHART and, um, you know, all these great academic, you know, institutions that are here. The idea is to try to keep those students here after they graduate um, with, uh, with job opportunities and affordable housing and um, obviously social and cultural opportunities as well. So there's really a, we have a lot of assets. And again, we need to start to, to tout what those are rather than talking about what we don't have. We have a great international airport with uh, flights now to the West Coast and, and uh, overseas now at Bradley. Um, and there's just, a, there are a lot of companies that are looking for young professionals, the, the United Technologies of the world and some of the healthcare uh, sector industries as well, and the hospitals and insurance companies. So there, there's a lot going on here. And, and we really need to start uh, doing a better job collaborating and talking about those successes. So Brian, when you mentioned we, who are the people that should be at the table that should be uh, changing those perceptions of Connecticut? Is the state doing an adequate job? 
yeah, you know, the state, uh, you know, the state is doing an adequate job, but it's not just about the state. It's not just about one group. It's, it's got, it has to be uh, public and private partnerships. It has to be us all coming together and telling our story. I think, you know, uh, you use the word collaboration, and I know that's a word that we hear all the time, And but it's, it's so important. We need to be all speaking the same language and telling our story. And I think that if we, you know, if we start doing more of that, and again, if, if people are out, out and about telling our story, not just locally, but nationally and internationally as well, um, I think more and more people are going to realize what Hartford has to offer, and it just comes down to awareness and education. You mentioned Hartford, Hartford as well as the state, big fiscal problems ahead. Uh, the city is looking at possibly uh, whether or not to file for bankruptcy. I mean, this can't help the situation, Brian. No, it absolutely does not. Um, we're fortunate, you know, Mayor Bronin. Um, is uh, has been a tremendous leader. Um, he's he's been a great partner with the business community. He's been making an effort to go outside of Hartford and speak to the to the other communities um, surrounding Hartford to try to gain you know buy-in and knowing that uh, a successful urban core is not just important to the city itself but to the surrounding areas as well. And uh, you know we're not you know we're not quite there yet. We keep hearing about the word you know that that bad word bankruptcy, but um, we're focused really on what Hartford does have to ha- you know have to offer here. I mean there are a lot of assets. I, I don't know if you made it to any uh, yard goats games this year, but they're, they're you know around the stadium. Um, foot traffic after five o'clock, we're starting to see a lot more of that. Sold out games at the yard goats. Um, we have. Uh, Restaurants that are bustling now after five o'clock. You come down here on a weekend. There are events going on uh, at Bushnell Park. Uh, you know we have the theater, the local theaters with the Bushnell and Hartford Stage. So uh, yeah, you do hear about bankruptcy a lot, but there's still a lot happening here. You can join the conversation again uh, if you've been living in Connecticut for some time. What keeps you here? And if you're uh, some of the residents who say, you know, I really want to be moving, why is that? You can join the conversation again, 860-275-7266. Chuck's calling from Norwalk. Chuck, you're on the show. Hi. You know, I've been here for almost 60, 60 some odd years, and um, I'm starting to look to leave, and it has nothing to do with weather or even current taxes, I feel the leadership in the state is either delusional in trying to recognize in its inability to recognize how bad the fiscal problems are, or um, they're trying to buy, blow smoke, you know, past everyone. We are so far in debt. We're losing population. We're losing jobs. Um, we used to be competitive because we had no taxes. Now, <clears throat> New Hampshire takes those jobs or Texas or Florida, and we have an incredible fiscal problem that is dramatically understated by our politicians. We're using assumptions that are, we haven't hit in 20 years, and we have to renegotiate and come up with some better way for dealing with the state employees in the state teachers unions we cannot continue to afford to accrue the kind of liabilities we have we're like 30 percent funded Mm. now chuck you said that you're thinking about moving because you're just uh, tired of of the political leaders in the state Uh, but uh, you've obviously been here for many years there's a lot of your life that uh, has been based in connecticut Uh, why not just uh, look forward to the elections to change that the political leadership if you're that unhappy well, that might happen. But, you know, Connecticut has a very odd law that allows people who work in the unions to also hold paid legislative seats and vote themselves these ridiculous 
um, contract obligations without acknowledging, without being forthright as to what the obligations are really going to cost us. And we keep building a bigger and bigger deficit, and it's harder to get responsible people in office because on a local basis, the union figured out how to control the local offices. You know, the people have made, it's remarkable that nine Democrats, you know, started to wake up when Malloy finally uh, tried to tag all the local towns with the teachers' obligations, which the towns had no say over. Mm. It's just, it's offensive that they won't acknowledge the problem and actually deal with it. They keep trying to, you know, just cover it up. Yeah. Well, Chuck, thank you for your call. Uh, Preston's calling from New Haven. Preston, you're on the show. Hey, good morning. Uh, I just want to say I find Connecticut a pretty awesome place to live. I've lived in other cities and other places. In terms of price, Connecticut is so much less expensive than these glamour cities of New York and Boston. My son actually moved back from Washington, D.C. to Connecticut because he found it just much more reasonable. I also just think we have the benefit of wonderful small towns, uh, interesting cities. I mean, I happen to live around New Haven, so I have all kinds of things at my fingertips. And I'm about to retire, but I'm not moving. I love it here. Well, good to hear, Preston. Thank you uh, for your call. And Preston raises some good points. You know, he's, I mentioned uh, having a son that was in D.C. and sees uh, Connecticut as having a lot of qualities. I wanted to go back to uh, Paul Millard, again, who wrote a piece, 20 Better Slogans for Connecticut Than Still Revolutionary, a Connecticut native who doesn't live here anymore. Um, it's interesting, Paul. Do you see yourself moving back to Connecticut, say, maybe if you decide to have a family down the road? Is that when Connecticut is more uh, amenable to you? Yeah, it's definitely something I uh, I think about a lot. I have a really big, close family, and I think uh, Preston hit on it, too. There are a lot of just fantastic small towns, great places to raise family, great places to have nice little local communities. Um, so when I think about that, being around um, those communities again and how I grew up is definitely uh, attractive. Um, but... Uh, yeah, and, and I think on the uh, political stuff, uh, the other caller was saying, I think, I mean, I've looked at different states. A lot of these trends are happening across the U.S., and it, it is often a result of uh, these states are very old, and a lot of these problems can be solved through economic growth. Um, but, uh, and I'm definitely much more interested in the ec economic growth uh, solutions than uh, looking to politics for uh, anything to be fixed. Uh, Brian Boyer, Vice President of Marketing and Communications at Metro Hartford Alliance. Uh, to uh, add to what Paul was saying about the importance of economic development and, and what the alliance is doing uh, to raise Connecticut's profile for the positive. Yeah, I mean it's that that's obviously uh, key, and uh, I just I also just want to touch on on Preston's call as well. You know, a, a lot of people who are here have uh, have moved away and and come back. Um, personally, I I grew up in New York, but um, it was brought back here. My my wife is originally from Connecticut. We were actually in D.C. as well, and uh, you know, cost of living and is it was was a key factor in that, and not only cost of living but but quality of life. And, you know, there, is, there are tremendous, tremendous economic development opportunities around here. And when you talk about some of those, you know, quote-unquote glamour cities like Boston or New York, 
you know, we don't we don't need to we don't need to compare ourselves to those cities. Um, we're not uh, we're not a big metropolitan area. We're a smaller, mid-sized city, and and I think we need to be comfortable in our own skin with that. Um, and if anything. Um, it should be uh, it should be an asset that we're closer to those cities um, because there's a tremendous amount of talent here and in those cities that can be that can be attracted, and um, you know there's relative ease of moving back and forth. And I think that if we can just settle on who we are and what we are as a city, um, we don't need to always be talking about well, you know, we're not Boston, we're not you know, and we're not New York, and we're not DC. We don't and we don't have to be. And 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 I think that that can be used to leverage um, us as you know as an advantage to living here as far as the quality of life and cost of living. I think that's key um, to getting people to to want to stay here uh, for uh, for generations. This is where we live today. We're talking about ways Connecticut can combat negative perceptions both in and out of the state. You can join the conversation again, 860-275-7266. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. I see some listeners are chiming in on better slogans that they think uh, Connecticut could have other than still revolutionary. We'll read a couple of those uh, in a little bit. Alexis is calling from Killingworth. Alexis, go on with, with your question or comment. Oh, Hi. Um, no, this was uh, just a very timely topic because my husband and I have been speaking about uh, our life here. We have two small kids, and we're very happy where we live. It's a, an amazing community and an amazing area. Uh, we were just in Boston just for a little trip, and it was funny that when people around us and you know tour guides and whatnot were talking about New England, they don't include Connecticut. And we sort of look at each other and go, well, why not Connecticut? And just like... Uh, you know, he was just saying, what's our identity? You know, who are we? Do we belong to New England? Do we belong to New York? You know, but we are our own thing. Um, you know, another thing, when we think about going on vacations and whatnot, we say, well, wait, we have all that here. We have the cute New England towns. We have the beaches. We have, you know, great outdoors. We have cities with amazing, you know, uh, museums and everything in it. Um, however, we do worry with our young kids if one bad thing happens in our life, you know, an emergency, a job loss. We're in big trouble because, yes, our taxes here are enormous. Um, our cost of living is much higher than, you know, family we have in other states and things like that. So we really struggle with, gosh, you know, it's a great place to be, but can we really afford to be here for long term? Um, we would love to see younger people coming into the state and staying here. And we love for the older people to stay as well. So, but we see the news and we're like, ah, oh, this sounds so bad. Like, where do we sort of fit into this as well? And sort of that middle group trying to raise a family and trying to make money at the same time. So, you know, we really struggle. It's an amazing place, but can even just us as a family afford to stay here for, you know, for the long term? Now, Alexis, you said when you see the news and it all sounds bad, what are the headlines that, that catch your attention? And what do you want to hear from your local leaders, your state leaders? Well, you know, it's just, it feels almost a little embarrassing, you know, even, even my family down south and in other parts of the country, and they hear the news too. Um, you know, the, the bankruptcy, the, the mistakes with, um, you know, the, the yard goats, uh, you know, the whole baseball situation, um, it just, uh, you know, like I recently heard about a potential, I don't know how old this is, but a potential new you know, cell phone tax. And it's just like, oh, another thing. Um, I just, I wish there was more positive news that was coming out. And I wish they could kind of push to the forefront the more positive aspects of the things that the state is trying to do uh, for everybody. Mm. And... You just you hear just so much negativity. It just really kind of brings you down. I just kind of want to close my ears to it and just stay in my little my little bubble of where I live. Um, you know, so it's it's 
you know, it's hard. And I want to brag about Connecticut. I really try to. Um, but, you know, like I said, we, we're, we don't know what our identity is. Uh, and I wish I could say, you know, we're this state and we're awesome. <laughs> and, uh, there's lots of little aspects that make that up. But, you know, I wish I wish there was more or just more positive things that the rest of the world sort of knew about us. Well, Alexis, I see that you're calling from Killingworth. You've got a pretty nice state park down there, Chatfield Hollow. Oh, you can start talking yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. Oh, gosh, I would spend every day there if I could. Um, you know, it's a safe community, the whole thing. But mm-hmm. the park is absolutely beautiful. It's one of the oldest uh, state parks in the state. Um, you know, a uh, beautiful pond for, for swimming and fishing, you know, beautiful hiking trails. Uh, they just put in a new nature center, uh, which I've yet to check out, but it, I'm just so happy to see that sort of improvement going on, especially with the two young kids mm-hmm. I have. Um, and it's just, it's just an absolute idyllic, you know, place to, to go explore. Well, thank you, Alexis, for, for your call. And I just wanted to go back to one of Paul Millard's slogans for Connecticut. Uh, Connecticut, mostly forests. So that might be one that appeals to, to residents like Alexis. Uh, and I wanted to hear from, uh, again, Brian Boyer from Metro Hartford Alliance, your response to what Alexis was saying about uh, the, the negative news. And, and she wishes she'd hear more about the positive. Right. Well, <laughs> you know, I'm glad Alexis brought that up because this is uh, this is the the challenge that we have on a daily basis as we as we try to uh, promote the the city and the region and the state here. I mean, um, you know, the, obviously a lot of the news that comes out it, it is uh, it is negative, and I just want every I want all of your listeners to realize that it's this is not doom and gloom. As I, as I mentioned before, we have a lot of great things going on in this state. I mean, what other state have you know has the um, educational institutions that we have here. I mean, we have tremendous um, institutions of higher education. We have tremendous, as you mentioned, the, the state park out, out in Killingworth. We have uh, cities. We have small towns. We have larger towns. We have um, we have sports. We have entertainment. Um, we have great, you know, uh, a transportation system that's only 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 getting better. We have. Um, Fortune 500 companies that have headquarters in Connecticut, you know, United, United Technologies, um, Pitney Bowes, um, Hartford is still the insurance capital of the world. Uh, there is so much going on here. And just uh, anecdotally, you know, we, uh, we have a program here at the Alliance called Innovation Destination Hartford, which is uh, mainly entrepreneurs and innovators, and um, innovationhartford.com is the website. And so many of these people have the energy and the passion, and, and they've moved away. And they've all made a conscious effort to come back to the state. And they're loving it. They're loving life here. And they are thrilled that they've come back. So it's not all doom and gloom. It's not everybody just leaving. There are plenty of people coming back and loving Connecticut life. I want to thank Brian Boyer again, Vice President of Marketing and Communications at Metro Hartford Alliance. Brian, thank you for your time. Thanks for the opportunity, Lucy. Appreciate it. Also, Paul Miller, a freelance strategy consultant focused on the future of work, organizational change, people, talent, and culture, a former Connecticut native, and we'll tweet out uh, his 20 better slogans for Connecticut then, still revolutionary. Paul, thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much. This is Where We Live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. How should Connecticut market itself, given national perceptions fueled by press and surveys about the state citing high taxes and anti-business climate, among others? Coming up, officials from two regional economic development organizations on opposite sides of the state will join us, and we'll hear how one city with a bad image decades ago transformed itself and its region. Of course, there will always be naysayers, but what can the region and Connecticut learn from other parts of the country? We'll find out. You can join the conversation, 860-275-7266. Email where we live at WMPR.org. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live.
This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalbethanchel. Last segment, we poked some fun at Connecticut's tourism slogan, still revolutionary. That was unveiled about, I think, about 2012 or so. We heard from some listeners. Uh, Brendan tweets, how about land of many complainers that are welcome to move to Florida? Uh, tweet from Buff- uh, Matt, Buffalo, New York already has it right. The city of no illusions. Helder writes, you don't have to like it here to live here. And Kathy says, Connecticut is home. Full stop. I'm not going anywhere. Although no doubt there are some who occasionally wish I would. So the reason we're talking about the slogan today is just a larger conversation about how the state, the region, or a city in the state should market itself. Should we really be selling ourselves by bringing up the point that we're in between New York City and Boston? You can join the conversation, 860-275-7266. Again, email where we live at WMPR.org. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at where we live. Now, how does Connecticut's brand impact the state's goal of attracting businesses and new residents to relocate or stay here? We asked officials from Connecticut's chief economic development agency, DECD, to join us today. Uh, we were told no one was available. But joining us now by phone is Nancy Kauser, executive director of the Southeastern Connecticut Enterprise Region or Sector. Nancy, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Also, Joseph McGee, Vice President of Public Policy and Programs at the Business Council of Fairfield County. Joseph, welcome to where we live. Yeah, thank you. So I'm not sure if you're able to hear some of the, the callers that were on earlier uh, in the hour, but they uh, talk often about some of the, the negative press that Connecticut receives and how it influences their perceptions of the state. Um, when you look at the headlines, what as a state can we be doing better? I'll start with you, Nancy. Well, I completely agree with many of your previous callers who talked about um, the need to speak more positively about what's going on. You know, the, the, the negative news is so self-defeating. It makes you not want to try. It gives you an excuse not to try, not to innovate, when in truth there's terrific things happening in the state. And I'll use my own region. Southeastern Connecticut in 2014 was among the slowest recovering economies in the nation, 244 out of 396. Um, we were number 17 in, in 2015. We're number four now, the fourth best economy out of 394 um, sta- uh, metropolitan statistical areas in the nation. That's largely driven by the growth in EB and related advanced manufacturing growth, um, but it's also driven by innovation. Um, like a previous caller, I think from Hartford, had mentioned the innovation grants from CTNX. We have one of those as well. Um, we hear from folks at Pfizer that they are actually growing in our region and that they're having an easy time getting scientists here because how awesome it is to live in our region. I think we need to be pushing more of the positives to counteract what's inevitably going to be negative news in any economy. Bad things are going to happen, but I think more good things are happening than bad things. And Joe McGee, uh, you're down in the Fairfield County region. I know that you've uh, had a prior experience working with DECD or leading the agency back in the 90s. Tell us uh, what, what kind of job do you think the state's doing in terms of marketing the state, despite uh, the headlines that you know certain big companies are moving headquarters out of the state? Yeah, I think, you know, the persp- you know I'm also a co-chairing the Commission on Economic Competitiveness at the state level. And what's really fascinating to me is here in Fairfield County, there is not this negative tone. I mean, we're growing, and we've got innovative companies moving in. Hankel, uh, Semaphore, the new uh, genetics uh, company coming out of Manhattan, uh, Indeed.com is growing. So we're seeing growth in the economy, in innovative companies. And so while GE's headquarters left and went to Boston, GE is still here with uh, thousands of employees. 
And so it's a very different perspective when you're sitting in the Hartford area versus the Fairfield County area. And it's really striking to me listening to the show this morning. So when there you mentioned no- Fairfield County, so Stanford is one, one city that's doing really well. Well, so Stanford's mm-hmm. doing well. Norwalk is doing well. Danbury's doing well. Mm-hmm. It's not just Stanford. But we're gro- like this whole question early, one of your uh, callers was talking about young people you know, flocking out of Connecticut. We've built 7,000 apartments in Stanford in the last 20 years, almost all of them occupied by young professionals. And we now have 10,000 young professionals living in our downtown area. So we're seeing a really vibrant workforce that is predominantly much younger than it was 20 years ago, and it's really exciting. And it's made Stanford and Norwalk really kind of fun places to live. So that's why this conversation is so awkward listening uh, particularly to the Hartford area. And I just want to say to Nancy, if you look at Electric Boat, I mean, they are looking for people. They're on our commission, and they have thousands of jobs available. And so it's a very different perspective about Connecticut, depending where you live right now. So uh, so I guess the question then, uh, Joseph McGee, again, Vice President of Public Policy and Programs at the Business Council of Fairfield County, depending on where you live, the perspective is different. What should we be hearing coming out of Hartford related to uh, the assets that Connecticut has? We do know what the problems are, right? Big fiscal challenges ahead. We have the highest achievement gap in the nation. Uh, we've got these 169 towns and cities and villages uh, that we need to look at regionalization. These are the things we talk about often from the Hartford perspective, uh, but right. what should we be focusing on? But see, that overwhelms what's the, mm-hmm. other, the other story that's mm-hmm. going on, is the growth of biotechnology and life sciences in Connecticut. I mean, there's an extraordinary amount of change occurring. The, the change in advanced manufacturing, the whole digital economy. But they're hard to talk about. The, the problem with Connecticut right now is the budget crisis in Connecticut has created an extraordinarily negative cloud that sits, sits atop the state. And that whole issue of the budget problem has got to be resolved. The situation in Hartford where it's declaring bankruptcy. I mean, there's a reason you have a negative perception of Connecticut because these things need to be fixed. We know how to fix them. It just takes political courage to get that done. Once those things are put behind us, this state has a wonderful story to tell. I mean, if you look at our educational system, it is really one of the best in the country. Our investment in higher education is extraordinary. Um, so I think there are, we see a lot of positive developments uh, going on here. And I think at the state, the legislature has just got to solve uh, their budget problem. And when they do, I think the state um, becomes very positive in its outlook. Uh, Christina is tweeting to us, I love everyone building up Connecticut, but the budget crisis is troubling for this state's future. Let's focus on the gravity of it. Um, You mentioned the schools, uh, Joe. uh, You know, when we hear about, you know, towns that are worried about the the aid that the state's going to give them and how they're going to be able to operate come October 1st, it's hard to get past uh, that and to think about some of the positives. But no, that's a short-term problem that will be resolved. The long-term trends is we have probably the best public education system in the nation, and that's uh, just recognized across the United States. Um, This is a short-term budget crisis uh, that will play itself out, but we are not removing our commitment to public education. That is a strength of the state, and it will continue to be.
Uh, Nancy, did you want to chime in? Uh, you mentioned a lot about the development in southeastern Connecticut, uh, but in terms of what your residents are are saying about uh, the state as a whole. Well, I, I totally echo the, the previous comments. I mean, the, the, the fact is we have amazing schools, um, both in the elementary and high school levels, but also phenomenal universities, private and public. Um, in our area, our um, housing um, is up 20% in the last year. So there is a lot of positive growth. Do our residents want this budget issue resolved? Absolutely. It's a dark cloud that needs to be resolved. But I will say that regionally, more and more groups are working together uh, to resolve issues. Um, and I think that is something that is almost a tiny silver lining of the budget crisis. It's really pushed unconventional partnerships uh, to begin trying to resolve issues ourselves and not just wait for Hartford to fix them. Um, so I, I do think, of course, there's, it, it's easier to glam on to the gloom and doom than it is to recognize the good things that are happening. Um, but I really do feel that our region, um, just like Fairfield County and many other regions in the state, are seeing an economic boom. And we're not going to let um, gloom and doom overshadow what the great things are that are happening, because it's just going to dull what's happening. It's going gonna, it's gonna to inhibit us from moving forward, and we just can't afford that as a region or a state. This is where we live. Today, we're talking about ways to combat negative perceptions of our state, both in and outside of Connecticut. You can join the conversation, 860-275-7266. Bobby's calling from New Britain. Bobby, go ahead. You're on the show. Hey, uh, good morning. So um, I want to say as a lifelong Connecticut resident, someone who grew up here, um, I I love Connecticut. I I think Connecticut's the greatest state ever. I love the schools. I I love the mass transit uh, structure. Um, I, I certainly uh, love the uh, opportunities here, um, and, and I, I plan on staying here the rest of my life uh, as a young person, as someone who's uh, just about to finish college this year. Uh, one thing I, I do want to say, and this is one big concern I have uh, for a state, is we, we don't have – I mean, we're a very regionalized state, and we, we don't have a shared identity as a state, and that's something that really concerns me. We, we don't have a shared uh, cultural identity. We, we, the Hartford New Haven media market is the largest media market in the country without a professional sports team. We, we don't have, I mean, something to, to really rally about as, as a state in, in terms of, uh, I, I mean, culturally and whatnot. And so, I, I mean, I, I think the, the point I'm trying to make is, like, if, if you're traveling across the nation, who do, how do you refer to someone from Connecticut? Just like how, you know, someone from New York is a New Yorker. I mean, I, I just think that as a state, uh, we, we don't have a shared identity. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something I think that our political and, and civic and business leaders should work on in the, in the next uh, few years. Uh, Bobby, you raised some great points. Thank you. I, I want to ask uh, Joseph McGee to respond to your question about uh, what the identity of Connecticut really is. Again, uh, Joseph McGee is the vice president of public policy and programs at the Business Council of Fairfield County. Uh, when people think of Connecticut, they think of Fairfield County, Joseph. They think of the Gold Coast. Yeah, yes and no. I mean, I just share, I go back 25 years. I mean, like it was governor, we had a campaign. And it, 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 what they came up with, Connecticut is full of surprises. And it was based kind of on the Forrest Gump movie a bit, you know, the box of candy. Mm-hmm. 
And the theme of that, what it came out of, was exactly what the last caller said, is what is the identity? People don't know much about Connecticut, so let's talk about Connecticut. And these are surprises. Uh, there's some really great things here, but do people really know about them? So I think there's some there's legitimate a legitimacy to that. And it is also true we don't have one major media market, so what goes on in Fairfield County is not understood in eastern Connecticut and vice versa, or in the Hartford area. So that is true. For a small state, we're very divided because of the lack of a statewide media or a statewide newspaper um, that's read in all locations. On the other hand, I think Connecticut has a very strong reputation. If you travel, people think of Connecticut as a great place. I mean, they really do. Um, I've lived in Washington and other parts of the country, and Connecticut just is a four-season state that has, uh, you know, just great outdoor uh, possibilities. It's got a very strong cultural life. Uh, New Haven has an identity. Uh, Hartford, um, Bridgeport. I, I think the 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 issue he, he raises a very good point about promoting the state more effectively. Uh, we did Connecticut is full of surprises. Um, Malloy is doing and still revolutionary, you know, building on our colonial history and the and, and the, our innovations in in manufacturing and in business. But I think in general, you need to have a consistent theme that you stick with year in and year out. The Big Apple, we all know what that is. Um, so I think that is a legitimate concern that there has got to be a marketing budget. Um, it's got to be consistently applied. And I think there is, there is, you know, clearly a concern about doing more marketing for the state of Connecticut, promoting the good stuff as opposed to letting all the negative stuff overwhelm you. Well, I wanted to get into outside perspective. And joining the conversation now is Bill Flanagan. He's Chief Corporate Relations Officer at the Allegheny Conference on Community Development in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Bill, welcome to the show. Good to be here. Thanks. Now, the reason we invited you on, um, I uh, several months ago, and I do have a connection to Pittsburgh. I went to Duquesne. I grew up north of the city. Um, and uh, one time I was a rabid Steelers fan, but I've moved on from that. And, uh, you know, I tweeted something about Pittsburgh maybe a couple months ago about uh, the Uber uh, pilot. And it was, it was an article from the New York Times. It wasn't very flattering of uh, city officials. And then I got an email uh, from your organization talking about the Pittsburgh story. It was an interesting strategy to counteract some bad press uh, that the city had uh, received. Tell me about that strategy and how Pittsburgh has really transformed itself in, in recent years. Well, it's really been a journey over the last 15 years, and, and it's been helped a lot by uh, a fundamental improvement in, in the regional economy and the kind of investment and activity we're seeing here. It always helps when you have the facts to back up whatever the story is you're telling and listening to your uh, to your other guests. There, there's a lot of great proof points, it sounds like, in Connecticut. But I think as, as much as anything, what we've spent the last 15 or so years uh, doing in, in the Pittsburgh region is really working on the message. How do we tell the story? How, how do we really uh, sum it all up, and then put it in a form that, that people here in the region can share. And, and we have some of the same issues you do. I mean, uh, Greater Pittsburgh is a metropolitan area of about two and a half million people, so that's about a million people fewer than Connecticut. And our land area is, is roughly the same size as New Jersey, so that's much larger than Connecticut. And it's very much an urban core surrounded by rural uh, and many former manufacturing areas. So trying to craft a message and, and, and a narrative that sort of speaks to everyone and everyone feels comfortable delivering is a big challenge. And as I say, it's something that we've worked on for, for a number of years across the community with lots of different organizations to try to come up with a, share, a shared way of describing uh, the value of being here. 
What was interesting about that email that was sent to me was that uh, it mentions that there are three points, to be exact, that that, uh, the Allegheny Conference on Community Development wants to share with people about the Pittsburgh that, quote, we might not know. Uh, So when people think of Pittsburgh from the 70s and 80s, the dirty steel town, and how it's now been transformed to a a region where there's lots of innovative medical and robotics research happening, uh, it does take uh, many years. Uh, We heard from uh, Joseph McGee that it does take resources to um, having the dollars to pay for for marketing campaigns. How has uh, Pittsburgh been able to do that beyond the collaboration? Yeah, I mean, we do have a Convention of Visitors Bureau here, Visit Pittsburgh, and they do a terrific job in the in the Convention of Visitors space, and they invest money primarily within a 300-mile radius of Pittsburgh that's largely driving tourism. That's our primary spend when, when it comes to marketing the region. It's mostly directed at, at tourism. When we're talking more broadly about you know talent attraction and attracting business investment, that's been driven much less by marketing and advertising campaigns, much less by having a great tagline. In fact, we don't really have uh, a tagline per se that we use universally for for uh, for marketing Pittsburgh. It, it's been much more uh, based on developing, and you mentioned it, three key messages. Uh, we're big believers in three things. Anybody can remember three great things to say about where you live. Nobody can ever remember the fifth thing if you have a list of five. So uh, we've structured a lot of our messaging around three messages, three points to share. In our case, you know, it's a it's a balanced, knowledge-intensive economy that's been created here over the past uh, generation. Uh, we're blessed with boundless energy resources today because we're smack dab in the middle of the Marcella Shale natural gas formation, and we've been investing, uh, you know, for de- for decades in quality of life improvements, whether it's arts and arts and culture or outdoor recreation. So those are the three big value propositions, and we we spend a lot of time and effort sharing those messages with the corporate community with government, uh, with the universities, with the foundations, so that as much as possible, everybody in the region has a shared understanding of what we think the value proposition really is. They tell their own stories on top of it, but we try to create a fundamental platform that people can use to talk about why people should live here, why people should invest here. And it doesn't hurt that you've got a football dynasty, a beautiful ballpark, and uh, (laughs) Stanley Cup champs the last two years running. Well, certainly. If, you know, if, if we're blessed, and we're, we're unusual, we're one of the smallest markets in the United States to have three major league sports teams, and they do a tremendous amount to drive uh, national conversation and even international conversation about Pittsburgh in some cases. Uh, but there was a time when it was really the Steelers that kind of carried the regional brand. You know, when times were really bad here 25, 30 years ago, uh, you know, it was the Steelers that sort of kept us in the conversation as a major league town. The good news is now we've got the Penguins, too, so that's great. Uh, But uh, we've got much more happening in the regional economy. You talked about Uber's self-driving cars. We're a hotbed for research in autonomous vehicles. We're a major medical center and have been for many, many years, but that continues to grow. We're a major financial center, uh, like Hartford. I I mean, uh, Pittsburgh's one of the largest concentrations of of financial assets in the United States. So there's a lot of dynamics at play here uh, that that are contributing now to the message. what I've noticed in the last few years, after 10 years of slogging away, trying to formulate the message, trying to share it with everybody, trying to build this sort of shared understanding of why people should, uh, you know, uh, consider Pittsburgh, uh, what I've noticed in, in recent years, it's begun to feed on itself. And uh, although we continue to work it, we continue to do standard PR and communications efforts, Visit Pittsburgh does a wonderful job. 
it's now beginning to happen almost organically. And, and, and international, national media, rankings, all this kind of stuff uh, has just begun to happen for us. And, and so there's a, there's a buzz today uh, about Pittsburgh that really didn't exist five or ten years ago. But it's a buzz based on the fundamentals. It really starts there. It's not, great. It's not just great PR. Well, we'll have to leave it there. But we thank you, Bill Flanagan, Chief Corporate Relations Officer at the Allegheny Conference on Community Development. Uh, thanks so much for your time, Bill. Absolutely. And I guess the message uh, Bill has for Connecticut is that, uh, you know, it will get better. (laughs) So we want to thank uh, also Joseph McGee because we're out of time. But I want to thank Joseph McGee from Vice President of Public Policy and Programs at the Business Council of Fairfield County for joining us. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, great, Lucy. Also, Nancy Kauser, Executive Director of the Southeastern Connecticut Enterprise Region, or Sector. Thank you, Nancy, for your time. Coming up, the women behind CT Ain't So Bad will be here to talk about the positives Connecticut has to offer. And again, uh, thanks for listening. You can join the conversation on Twitter at Where We Live. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalbethanchel. We've been talking about ways Connecticut can counteract negative perceptions, but it's not all bad. Our next guests truly believe that. Jenna Kajowski and Jessica Bishop, they're the women behind CT Ain't So Bad. Welcome back to the show. Thanks so much, Lucy. We're so excited. (laughs) So, Jenna, again, you were here probably more than a year ago. Tell us again what brought you to Connecticut and with the development of this website, uh, what are the things that you want to talk about when when we talk about Connecticut? Well, college brought me to Connecticut, but then I definitely wanted to stay after. Um, And then the development of the website has been amazing because we get people coming up to us all the time, like saying that they've been trying to find fun things to do. And uh, we're like, well, we're a one-stop shop. So, you know, come on the site. You can find restaurants. You can find events. Um, So there's no reason to be bored, for sure. Uh, Now, uh, Jessica, when we look at Connecticut, one of the pluses is, of course, fall, fall in New England. So what are some of the things that people should be checking out this time of year? I mean, there's no question that Connecticut has a slamming fair season. There are, um, you know, from pretty much what? Pat Benatar. Well, (laughs) at the Durham (laughs) Fair, Pat Benatar is going to be there this uh, the 30th. So we're super psyched about that. But I mean, you can also stop by farms. You can stop by cider mills. You can spend a Sunday afternoon going through South Glastonbury and, you know, going from farm to farm and farmers markets, things like that. So I don't think anyone's ever described it as Florida having slamming fair. <laughs> well, there you go. Slamming. Um, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that. You know, mom comes up and we spend the whole weekend bouncing around and there's like so many things to do that we don't even know what to go to next. <laughs> so it's ctainsobad.com and you've won a few awards now for mm-hmm. best bloggers, right? Yes. Two years in a row we got a CT Now Readers Poll, uh, best local bloggers and also Hartford Magazine. And not just looking at the Hartford area. Tell us how you've branched out. Well, we've done a lot with Madison Beach Hotel. They have a free grassy strip music series right there on the green. We saw John Cafferty, um, and that was amazing. Um, We've also been going to the casino to see the Connecticut Sun play. Um, We even brought my 88-year-old grandmother, who's never been to a WNBA game, so that was pretty rad. Uh, Got some points for that. Um, And we've... We've been to like Litchfield and we love the drives in Litchfield because they have the distillery, they have ice cream, um, you know, obviously amazing food. 
Um, it's just a beautiful area. So We poked fun at still revolutionary. Connecticut, still revolutionary. <laughs> Why not CT ain't so bad? Why doesn't the state contact you for that great slogan? Well, we would love that. <laughs> Call us. <laughs> Call us. And we're also building out our team for sure. So we're looking for interns. Um, we'd love to work with the state. And, you know, as I said before, we're a one-stop shop. So everything cool. And when you talk about uh, the events that are happening around the state, obviously, because you live here, you hear some of that that negative, um, the press about, uh, you know, companies leaving, residents wanting to move out. I mean, how do you respond to that? Well, I think that, you know, there's definitely problems everywhere you go. Um, I think that it's all about people finding their niche and um, kind of feeling a part of a community. I mean, Jessica always talks about uh, community and how important it is. And I think that, you know, giving people the opportunity to find you know, we never post anything negative. So if you come onto our site, you know, it's only going to be positive content and things that, you know, you're going to probably find yourself wanting to do. And there's a lot of weird things that go on in CT, too. So. Oh, like what? We've got a minute. Tell us, Jenna. <laughs> uh, well, an event we're going to be going to, which we're really excited about, is the gluten free, gluten and allergen free event um, that's going on in a couple weeks. Um, so we're super psyched about that. Um, and then, I you know, there's a garlic festival. Oh, in yes. We are definitely looking forward to that. <laughs> um, I mean, yoga's taken a weird turn. I even heard that on the news the other day. I mean, there's so many different names for different yogas, but we've had a free yoga calendar up on the site now for the last, well, the whole summer. Um, goat, goat yoga. Yes, goat yoga. I'd love to do that and have them step on my back for sure. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there's a lot of cool things that are going on. And as I said, I mean, the different fairs, getting the music artists, um, you know, there's a lot of music coming back right now. We're actually uh, covering Chicago in a couple weeks and JD and the Straight Shots opening for them. In Stanford. And, yeah. So. Well, we like having you on because you remind us why we enjoy living here. Again, <laughs> uh, Jenna Kajowski, Jessica Bishop from ctainsobad.com. Um, it really is a state that has a lot to offer. Yes, we've got our challenges, uh, but there's ways to work through them. So we want to thank you, Jenna and Jessica, for, for coming on. And we'll tweet out again a link to your website, ctainsobad.com. Thanks, Jenna. Thanks, Jessica. Thank you, Lucy. Thank you for having us. Our show today produced by senior producer Lydia Brown. Special thanks to Carmen Baskoff. Our technical producer is Kion Wolf, WMPR. Our executive producer is Katie Tolarski. Thanks for chiming in on Twitter at Where We Live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. As always, thanks for listening. <laughs>